Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, a leading childcare organization is calling for what they describe as an urgent package of support to help the sector, really, to help in childcare. And they say it is in crisis. We're talking about employers for childcare. And they're warning us that many childcare providers are considering raising fees by 10% from April. I want to speak to Aoife Hamilton from Employers for Childcare. Aoife, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Might be worth just reminding us what Employers for Childcare do as a lobby group, just briefly. Certainly. So um, we would campaign on issues that affect um, parents, childcare providers and employers. And one of the things that we've been calling for is a new early learning and childcare strategy. Thankfully, that's underway. But at the moment, the focus of our work is calling for immediate, urgent financial support for the childcare sector because of the crisis it's facing at present due to those rising costs um, which are having to be passed on to parents which in turn is impacting then on our economy if parents aren't able to afford the childcare they need to work. So you're, you're representing the employer, you're representing the childcare provider and the parent because many parents would see it as us against them, us being the parents and them being the childcare providers who can charge incredibly high tariffs for looking after your children. You know, actually, the message we get from parents is they understand that this is um, a, a, an organisation, the childcare provider, that has to cost uh, to charge a certain fee in order to provide the really high quality and safe care that the parents rely on. Parents like us recognise that childcare, it's not an option, it's critical infrastructure that lets them and others go to work. Um, so they appreciate that when costs go up for providers, that's something that's going to be passed on to them unless we see the government really valuing the sector the way it needs to, stepping in and investing in our childcare infrastructure. That's what we're calling for. Uh, that's not going to stop a 10% increase in April, so it isn't? It unfortunately isn't. Um, and we're hearing that from parents and from providers. And that 10%, it could be more in some places as well. It will vary according to setting and across Northern Ireland. And it's simply not sustainable. You know, my team spoke with a parent um, on a waiting list for a nursery place for twins and an older child. They've been quoted £125 a day for their three children and mum's take-home pay is £110 a day. Those are the kind of sums that simply don't add up 
to parents being able to remain in the workplace. And that's why this is an issue that's it's affecting people now. And we need to see action now before these critical services are simply not there for us. What is the breakdown in relation to the availability of childcare facilities for working parents versus parents who may not be working or who may not have an income that would allow them to pay for childcare? There seems to be a lot of rivalry and anger between working parents against parents who may be on benefits or even working parents on benefits against parents who would be uh, on no benefits whatsoever. There can be a lot of misunderstanding there, Frank. You know, you're right to raise that. And often you know, we would hear people talking about um, parents on benefits. Many of, of people who are receiving support through the likes of universal credit, through tax credits, are working. Um, the financial support that's available for registered childcare costs is only available to those parents who are in work. Um, so it's important that, that people are aware of that. What we want to see is childcare that's available accessible and affordable to everyone because not only does that help parents who are in work it helps those who are maybe trying to get into work or who are accessing um, higher or further education but it's also good for every child so we don't want to see anybody unable um, to benefit from this critical infrastructure. And some people do argue they phone this program and they talk to me about not being able to get their child into a certain place but at, at the parent with the, the who isn't working, the parent who is on the benefits can get their child in much easier. What's the layout of the land around that? So this would be um, in terms of preschool places, which aren't actually childcare. Now, they may be part of the jigsaw that parents use to, to make up their, their childcare needs, but that would be the preschool places. Um, and in September of last year, actually, then um, Education Minister Michelle McElveen announced that there is going to be a standardisation um, of the, the preschool system. So we do expect to see further announcements and further developments um, in that area. Um, but if anybody is struggling to access um, childcare or just wants to talk through the options um, for themselves, they're very welcome to, to call our helpline. It's 0800 028 and one of our advisors can talk them through all of their options. Yeah, you say that isn't part of childcare, but are the waters not muddied there? Because if you can't get your child into a preschool place, then you need more childcare for your particular youngster. Absolutely, it's part of the mix. And we know that parents, they've become very adept and very skilled at um, piecing together um, all that they possibly can access, you know, to make up their childcare needs. We speak to parents um, who are using informal childcare, so grandparents and other family members, school, preschool, as well as um, formal childcare. And part of this is because um, we don't have the investment in a system that always enables parents to afford and access the registered childcare that, that they need. So that's why we really do want to see investment that um, that means parents aren't struggling to access and afford um, this critical infrastructure. And how would that investment manifest itself? If the lady you made reference to who's spending £100 a day having her children looked after and she's only earning £100 a day in her work, yeah. uh, how, how would the government help that woman? Well, what we want to see is, um, firstly, financial, ambitious financial support um, funneled directly into the childcare sector that enables this sector to be sustainable, to be high quality and to reduce fees for parents at source so that every parent can afford the childcare 
that they need. So that's a really important um, step that needs to be taken. We do also know there is existing financial support there for parents who are working. And we would encourage every parent to call our team to find out if they're able to access support, which the majority of working parents are, and what the right form of support is. So it's piecing those two things together. But first off, we need to see that significant financial investment funneling directly into the childcare sector. Yeah, and who are you lobbying? Do you not get the feeling you're shouting into an empty room? I would say that actually, Frank, over the last number of years, we're um, we're working very closely with political parties and with the Department of Education. And we think there's been a real sea change. There's a recognition that um, childcare is essential. It's essential for families, but it's also essential for our economy. Um, so that's something that is positive and work is ongoing on a new early learning and childcare strategy. Um, what we need to see. Yeah, course, but none of it can happen without an executive. Deliver that. No, well, exactly, and that, that's the point that, that we're making. Well, that's so what I mean. Like, the way, it doesn't look like as if, but, but you know, let, let's talk about being able to pay the bills now. It doesn't look like as if we're going to have an executive, you know, for months, maybe for years, maybe never. And that's why we've got to see, actually, we've got to see an executive in place sooner than that. We've got to see this recognised as an urgent issue, and there are many others that will be affecting people right across Northern Ireland. These are the issues that matter to the parents um, who are calling us day and daily, to the childcare providers, to employers. So these are the things that need to be recognised as a priority and we need to see an executive back in place um, as soon as possible, getting this money rolled out where it needs to be going. Yes, but, you know, the evidence is to this moment in time that there is not going to be an executive. I don't see anything to suggest that we're going to have an executive anytime soon or maybe ever. So where, where do you go then with it? Do, do you think the, the Tory government's going to listen to you about childcare in Northern Ireland? So it's something that we do. We lobby at Westminster as well. And in the past, we've been successful actually in getting an extension um, to the, the closure of the childcare voucher scheme. So it's something that um, we know there's a letter going to the Chancellor ahead of the upcoming budget um, urging for things like amendments to existing financial support schemes to um, make them um, more, um, to give more support into the pockets of the families who need it. So there are absolutely things that we can be doing, but we can't let that take the pressure off locally getting an executive re-established because childcare is a devolved matter and that's where we need to see um, the ambitious funding flowing from. So should the DUP feel guilty then, considering what you're saying this morning? Um, what I would say is every uh, we want to see every party, and we've heard from every party that they do support investment in our childcare infrastructure. So we're keen to see every party working around the table and putting a focus on the issues that really matter to families um, and to our economy. Yes, but obviously there are more important things to the DUP than childcare. That, that's proven. There's more important things in the entire country than to, to the DUP. So they they have something in their agenda vis-a-vis the protocol and the winter framework, which is more important than anything else. So they're not going to return to government. There's no evidence that they are going to return to government. So you're, are, you are, as I say, shouting into the, the empty room, even though, even though the DUP may agree with you, they're not going to, they're not going to help you achieve what you're trying to get. 
what I could do is, is comment on what a priority is for any um, political party, of course. Um, what I can say is that we will continue to um, to use our voice. And while it may feel at times like you know we're shouting into the wind, actually, um, we are we're very hopeful that because of all the work that's happening, the voices of parents, childcare providers and employers has been really amplified over the last number of years. So we are hopeful and we will continue to work um, to, to make sure that this priority issue is recognised and that when we see an executive back um, in place, this is a day one priority for them. Well, uh, when we see an executive back in place, and that is the million dollar question, Ivan, I have no doubt that your voice is loud. I just wonder, is it being aimed in the, the right direction or... Do you get a sense of frustration with the loudness of your voice not delivering? Because we've had this conversation so many times over the the last uh, five years or so. So there is a suggestion that even with an executive, they can't deliver it. It's something actually right across the UK. Um, we've we've seen a lot of pressure being put on the UK government as well. So even um, in other parts of the UK, there are real issues there with um, investment and support in childcare. Um, so it's actually on an international basis, the UK is falling far behind um, you know other OECD countries. So it is something that we're committed to raising at every level, and we will continue to do so. Okay. Aoife, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Aoife Hamilton, Employers for Child Care. I wonder how much of a priority is it actually to political parties? You know, it's it's a bit of a vote winner if you say, oh yes, all on for uh, better child care facilities. But they never seem to actually deliver them, whether they're in government or, or not. Uh, let me speak to Connie Egan, who is with the Alliance Party. Uh, Connie Egan, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Is it a priority? Of course you're going to say it's a priority for the Alliance Party. The Ulster Unionists would say the same, SDLP would say the same, but none of them's really taken it any further than where we've been for years. I've had this conversation with the likes of Aoife Hamilton, you know, year on year. Yes, um, a childcare strategy is long overdue from the executive. It's something that Alliance have been um, calling for and doing everything they can to try and achieve. Um, my predecessor in this role, Chris Little, MLA, was our education spokesperson and chair of the education committee. He used every opportunity he could um, to call for childcare strategy and recognised um, that um, providers needed a sustainable um, and well-played job, but also that our parents needed this vital infrastructure to ensure they could go to work. So your constituents, the people in your area, what are they saying to you about childcare? Are they considering stopping work because it's not worth their time? A lot of uh, families and parents in my constituents tell me that they pay far more than their childcare costs than they do on um, their mortgage, um, which is a huge impact financially on them. Um, we also see that um, this mainly affects women getting back into the workplace following maternity leave. The costs of childcare are prohibitive to women getting back into the workplace and progressing with their careers. Uh, we really need to see a childcare strategy. Um, we've, I met with the Department of Education last week who told me work was ongoing and they have costed options um, to put forward to an executive that should be ready soon but we don't have an executive to put, put it forward to which in this context along with all the other issues in our society is unforgivable. Yes but we've touched on that whether it's forgivable or unforgivable or whether you have more important things on your agenda as the DUP would argue they have. However when in government and you know I know I'm repeating myself here but when in government it wasn't delivered so where's the guarantee that if we had an executive back next month that this strategy would come to fruition? 
Well, a childcare strategy, uh, a childcare and early education strategy um, has been a new decade, new approach commitment. It's something all parties have signed up to and it's something that all parties do support. We have seen significant work um, being done by the Department of Education in conjunction with other departments and organisations like Employers for Childcare, who you were speaking to earlier. Um, they have done significant work and can put policy proposals forward that are costed for an executive to sign off on, but we just don't have an executive. Okay, uh, Connie Egan, uh, thank you very much. I want to speak to Professor Deirdre Hagan, Connie Egan with the Alliance Party. Uh, Deirdre, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Now, the government, we've heard from two contributors there that it's almost ready to be signed off on. And I've heard this time and again down through the years about a childcare strategy that's never been delivered in Northern Ireland. And we can say, yes, it's not being delivered at the moment because we don't have an executive. Would you be confident if we did have an executive that it would be delivered? No, I would not. And I think anyone listening would not. And I think people listening, families listening, will be deeply frustrated by the conversations we've heard today. As you say, we've been here before. I feel like we've been here for two decades. Uh, When my children were young, I had three children under five, and I was paying more than a mortgage for childcare. Now, I was in a fortunate position that I could make that choice. But if we look around in Northern Ireland and we say, why are we the poorest region? What can we do to transform this region? Then there are key drivers in terms of social policy. And one of them, indeed many would argue possibly the first one, is affordable, accessible childcare so that people can have choice in terms of the role that parents want to play in the economy. We have the highest levels in the UK of economic inactivity. So that's people who are not working who are not in employment, who are not in training, because for them it's simply not possible. Well, those people aren't working in paid employment, and those people aren't then contributing to the taxation system, and those people are perhaps very frustrated because they want to be working. Do you get a sense of, you talk about frustration, is there a sense of rivalry almost among parents? And there's angst that some parents see certain people getting an advantage over other people, and they also see the tariffs within the childcare structure as being very high. Aoife Hamilton from Employers for Childcare told me that parents tend to understand why the tariffs are so high in the crashes and so on and so forth. But they're incredibly expensive, aren't they? They are incredibly expensive, but that's because it's a highly regulated industry and so many members of staff must be there according to the numbers of children. And if it's young children, in some cases, it's almost one-on-one support. That is expensive. And of course, insurance and running organisations like that is expensive. But also across Northern Ireland, there's a postcode lottery. So you may well be able to access childcare in Belfast or Derry, whether it's affordable or not, is a different question. But if you and I are both from South Down, if you're living in rural South Down and you want to access childcare, then that's an entirely different proposition. And that's where people have to decide, do I drive my children to my workplace? Is that safe? Do I want to do that? Or am I going to go back to that old story of relying on grandparents? As has rightly been said, this was mentioned in New Decade, New Approach. We were told that there would be the tantalising idea of accessible Childcare. We've had a draft childcare strategy since 2015, but in terms of policy, we don't seem able to look forward and say, how can we invest in the economy? Yes, it's spending money, but it will free people up to be part of uh, the economic drive to change this place. 
stop start devolution hasn't helped so it's it's difficult and I accept that it's difficult to plan for the future when government's up and government's down and people are saying well I don't know if I'm going to be here in 12 months time or not so I think there really there are issues that should be taken outside of the political cycle because they are fundamental to society and that is healthcare and indeed childcare. Is there the money for it considering you mentioned health and we need every penny we can get for health and indeed for education as well is is there the money to help working parents? Well, I always think this is an interesting argument when people talk about the government having no money and we have to balance the books and there is no magic money tree and we're in a period of austerity. These are all political choices and must be understood as political choices. So, for example, in Finland, when they decided that they would fund uh, accessible childcare, that was a political decision because they wanted the citizens to have choice to be able to go out and work, to go back to education. And it is a political choice here that the state have decided to divest themselves of any role in terms of providing accessible, affordable childcare. And what that really means is then there is a gender issue because many women who want to return to the workforce find that they can't. And they're finding that the, the idea of starting a family, they're putting it off, they're putting it off because they simply can't afford to leave the work that they're in. So I think there is enough money. I think it's about prioritising childcare. I think part of the reason it hasn't been prioritised is because it is a gendered issue. We still live in a world where women are expected to be the primary carers. They will carry the major burden of organising childcare and going flexible in their work as opposed to the other person in the relationship. So I think, you know, there are many issues here, but to say we can't afford it, well, we can afford what we think is a priority, and we have never seen our childcare in Northern Ireland as a priority, and I think that is part of the problem. Well, previous executive uh, executives have failed to deliver it. We don't have an executive at this present minute in time. If the executive did return, you're not very hopeful that it would be a priority and if the executive doesn't return with some form of intervention from London long term would would the Tories, would Labour, would the government across the water be giving it any consideration? Well you would hope that they would because in other areas of policy what we have seen is the pandemic has accelerated change and in other policy areas has become a catalyst for people realising the difficulties that were always there in plain sight so perhaps after post-pandemic, when we're looking at policymaking, there will be some acceptance that the UK has the worst levels of accessible childcare in the EU, and Northern Ireland is possibly the worst region in terms of price and accessibility in the UK. And we simply can't talk about economic regeneration, prosperity, turning this place around uh, 25 years after the Good Friday Agreement, if we can't really say half the population or up to half the population cannot be economically active in the way that they want to be because we don't have accessible childcare. It's very clear the arguments that you're making that Aoife Hamilton was bringing forward and indeed uh, Connie Egan's points as well. appreciate uh, all three of you coming on the programme this morning, but those prices are going up probably by 10%, minimum of 10% as and from uh, April. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.